Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name's Ryan. I get the privilege to host uh, each week with Pastor Christian. Uh, Sunday was message one in a brand new series called Jesus People. Uh, we're in Matthew 9 through 11, and the message is called Spiritual Need and Spiritual Purpose. Uh, really glad that you're uh, listening. If you're new with us, uh, welcome. We would love to be able to be a resource for you to grow, and we always want to help activate your faith. Pastor Christian, as we start today, one of the, the greatest spiritual moments in my life happened soon after I gave my life to Christ, and I was at a Promise Keepers event in 1997 with Dr. Tony Evans was speaking. I was there with my dad. Not to go into the de- just a really healing moment, um, just a great um, man that I've respected for a long time. I actually got to go to his church after my brother got married. Uh, we were in the Dallas area, and I was like, I got to go to see uh, Dr. Tony Evans. So can you talk about him coming to town for the Unite KC event in October? Yeah, so we talked to our people on Sunday um, about this event. So there's an organization in Kansas City um, led by two leaders in our city. It's a group of businessmen and women, um, but really predominantly uh, led by Dayton Moore, who's the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, who's a um, just a great friend of ours and a great man of faith in our city, and Jimmy Dodd um, and Pastor Serve, who is my pastor coach uh, and who's the founder and director of uh, Pastor Serve, which is a ministry that coaches and counsels pastors. And this is an organization that came together right in the middle of 2020 in the midst of all of the racial division and protest uh, and just all the disruption that was going on in our world and shout in shouts for change. Um, Dayton and Jimmy and some others got together and said, uh, well, like we got to do better. Like um, our city should be better. And they began to engage people from different domains of life, the entertainment domains, the arts domains, the first responder domains, the sports domain, the, um, the police department, the school districts. And they said, we've got to get, we've got to come together and have conversations and we got to do better. We just, we have to do better than what is happening. Uh, that organization, a faith-based organization who believes that really the only way you're going to win is by bringing Jesus in the middle of everything, including trying to build racial unity, um, not just in our city, but in the kingdom of God, a faith-based organization that believes you can't do it without Jesus, is hosting Dr. Tony Evans to talk to ministry leaders in our city um, just about what the kingdom could look like and should look like if we figure out how to have um, better unity, uh, you know, in, in the area of racial division in, in our city. Um, when everything uh, broke out in May of 2020 um, with George Floyd's death and then the disruptions and the protest that happened all summer long and all the conversations, good conversations that began um, among people of faith of saying, Hey, we need to, as a church, we said we need to learn to see with the eyes of Jesus, feel with the heart of Jesus, serve with the hands of Jesus. Uh, as I began to talk to pastors and say, help me understand how to lead spiritually in this area. The first book that was put in my hand by Pastor Brian Beloy was Oneness Embraced by Pastor Tony Evans, which was basically a kingdom theology of racial unity. And it was a really strong book that spoke to um spoke to what white people needed to do for that and spoke to what the black community needs to do for that. It was a fascinating book. And out of that, we birthed a Bible study. Um, 
and we went through a curriculum called Undivided, which was a group of uh, black and white pastors from around the country, um, male and female spiritual leaders from around the country saying, all right, here's what's happening in our world. What do we say in the church? We had nearly 100 people go through over the course of a year those Bible studies. Uh, Unite KC is hosting Dr. Tony Evans. So we basically, we, we put out feelers to anyone who'd gone through our undivided Bible study and said, Hey, this is, um, this is, this event is happening. Journey's going to sponsor some tables. Would you like to come here, Dr. Evans? Uh, and we just had tremendous response. So we opened it up to our entire church, um, and talked about it. So for anyone listening to the podcast who might be interested, um, on October 14th, I don't have a calendar right in front of me. That would be a a Thursday. Thursday. Um, at Fiorella's Conference Center um, in Overland Park, um, Dr. Tony Evans will, will be will be speaking. Um, so the first Sunday that I was at Liberty University, I go to Thomas Road Baptist Church, of course, founded and pastored by Dr. Jerry Falwell, um, and Dr. Tony Evans gets up to preach. I had never heard of Tony Evans. I'd never heard of Oak Cliff Bible Church. I had no idea about his radio and his television ministry, but I just remember him preaching scripture like I had never heard anyone preaching scripture before and thinking, I wish he would come back every week. He preached our first convocation of the year. Didn't know why he was there until I sat in my first hour class and realized um, that the kid who sat behind me was named Anthony Evans. Um, and his son, Anthony, his youngest son, Anthony, uh, and I went to Liberty together for uh, for four years um, and became friends. Anthony and I now serve on um, the advisory board for Liberty University School of Divinity. I'll actually be with Anthony uh, in a week or two um, to have somebody the caliber of Dr. Tony Evans, who was mentored um, by Dr. Charles Briscoe, longtime Kansas City pastor, in speaking to the Christian community of Kansas City, trying to help us understand um, why the church should look better and be better in this area uh, is, an, is an opportunity that we shouldn't pass up if we have two hours for lunch on October 14th. I'd encourage anyone listening to the podcast to go be a part of it. Uh, if they can, you can email us at activate uh, at takethejourney.cc, take the and we'll send you a link where you can get your own ticket uh, and go to that event if you'd be interested. Be great. I'm looking uh, forward to it. I've already invited a good friend of mine who's an African-American pastor here in uh, in Lee Summit. So I'm looking forward to, to hanging out with him that day and, and learning and, and growing together. Uh, we started a new Bible teaching series called Jesus People, Nine Spiritual Realizations of Matthew 9 through 11. So can you uh, please remind our audience of the goal of this series? Yeah, the goal of this series um, is to say, all right, like followers of Jesus, this group of people called Jesus people. Not only, so we've talked about what we're supposed to become. We've talked about what we're supposed to do. This series would be, what are we going to experience? What are, so as Jesus preached his sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, people thought his teaching's unbelievable. Let's follow him. As they followed him in Matthew chapter 8, they began to see him do these supernatural signs. And they thought, this guy not only is a great teacher, Clearly, he's he's supernaturally sent from and gifted from God. And as they begin to lean all in in Matthew 9, 10, and 11, we see what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Um, not to sit under his preaching and not to watch from the sidelines, but to be a follower of Jesus. What should you expect as a follower of Jesus? What are the, the nine things that Jesus people have realized about the world themselves, Jesus and his mission, 
that drive us and fuel us and direct us. That is the purpose of this series, which begins first Sunday of October, ends on Palm Sunday. So we've got, boy, I mean, we're just, we're going to crawl through what the disciples realized about being a follower of Jesus in Matthew 9, 10, and 11 over the next four or five months. Well, people have really enjoyed this series that's, uh, as you mentioned, started in Matthew, and I don't, I think you mentioned 30 some messages so far. Yeah, 37 messages in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 actually started last September. So we're now a year into kind of crawling, crawling through the book of Matthew only to break every now and then to recast some vision to help our church understand where we're going and then jump right back into verse by verse Bible teaching. Well, we're looking forward to it and uh, you come out swinging, um, <laughs> in the first point of your message, uh, standing before God in reference to the paralytic man whom Jesus had forgiven and, and healed, you share a statement and you say, our greatest need is not for Jesus to fix our problems in life. It is for Jesus to forgive the sin in our souls. And you, you follow that up. With another bold statement, we refuse to see our hearts filled with sin and our, etern- and, and our eternity filled with hell without Jesus. That's just a step too far for us, and we should never say it to anybody else. Uh, you make reference to that. And then, so as you've ministered to people, why is this concept of needing forgiveness for the sin in their lives such a challenge for some people to grasp? And why is it, man, really critical that they do? Yeah, so I, just so I can say the statement in full, because if you weren't paying attention, you may have heard you saying that statement um, as as a statement rather than a description. There's a there's a group of people who would who would want to refer to themselves as followers of Jesus, and they'd want to say they're active in the church and the mission of Jesus. But for them to say that their hearts are filled with sin and their eternity is filled with hell without Jesus, it's just too far. It's like, listen, I love Jesus, but come on. That is, that is such a negative statement to say that my heart is filled with sin and my eternity will be filled with hell without Jesus. Come on. Like one, I don't believe that about myself. And I would never say that to anybody else because I just don't think it's the heart of Jesus. So just to make sure that statement was shaped correctly, that that is the mindset of so many people who want to be Jesus people, but they've not they've not started with what it takes for them to stand before God. Now, here's the strange thing. Everyone believes there are people whose hearts are filled with sin and whose eternities are filled with hell. There's just too much wickedness in the world for us not to believe there are people like that. We just don't think it's us, right? Like, we probably think Hitler's heart was filled with sin and eternity should be filled with hell. And we probably think the Osama bin Ladens of the world, that their hearts are filled with sin and their eternities would be filled with hell. And we can fill in the blank. It's not that we don't think that's true. We just don't think that's true of us or anyone. We Not of normal people, right? We talked about Luke Bryan, you know, the song, I believe most people, we just believe most people are good, especially us. But until you can see sin, you can't stand before God. You know, I I gave these, what I thought Ryan were fascinating statistics about the, about the message, the macro message of scripture. So the English word sin is found in scripture 832 times. Um, you say that the word sin is offensive. The Bible is offensive. Jesus used the word sin 56 times. You say you shouldn't use the word sin. That's offensive. Well, Jesus was offensive to people who were in sin. 
You say, no, 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 like, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's all about love. English word sin is found 832 times in Scripture. English word love is found 555 times in Scripture. I'm not saying that sin is a more dominant theme in the Bible than love. Just giving facts. Jesus uses the word love 77 times. It was one of the dominant themes of his message. But when you see that sin and love are almost parallel in their usage of Scripture, it means you cannot understand love apart from sin. The thing that makes Jesus so loving is that he forgives sin. And we want to try to build a Jesus who loves without needing a Jesus who forgives. And we totally miss the bold macro headline of scripture that we are sinners in need of a savior. And once that savior forgives us and allows us to stand before God, we then owe him our life and our own mission. And we said, we, there are too many people who believe that Jesus steps into the areas of their life that are incomplete and he completes them. But Jesus is not Jerry Maguire. He doesn't complete us. We are not incomplete people who need Jesus to complete us. We are dead people who need Jesus to, to, to raise us, to raise our life spiritually from the dead. And if you don't see sin, you cannot see Jesus as a Savior. And if you don't see Jesus as a Savior, you won't join his mission as, like as your master. So like this, this is so important to this message and to the concept of Jesus. Like if you are a Jesus person on mission for Jesus, it's because you believe sin is real, hell is real, but because of the great love of God and Jesus, neither one of those things have to be um, long-term or consequential for us because of Jesus. Understanding the message of sin is what makes the message of love so big, but we have to see both so that we can understand how we stand before a perfect God as imperfect people. Jesus because he loves us, forgives our sin. It's great, and it actually leads into the next thing, because this was a real controversial thing that Jesus found himself in. As you discuss Matthew chapter 9, 3 through 5, you highlight the fact that Jesus has the ability to forgive sins, and this becomes a, a point of major contention, so much so that the teachers of the law accuse him of blasphemy. So, so our listeners understand, what is the significance of this f- event we find here in Matthew 9? So the religious leaders, Jesus would refer to them later in Scripture as blind guides. Um, but they thought they were guides. And if you've read Larry Osborne's book, Accidental Pharisee, did you read that? Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it forever. He talks about the heart intention of the Pharisees. They wanted to connect people to God. They just went too far. They went, they went further than God did in telling people what they needed to connect to God. And then they liked their formula so much that they didn't need Jesus to be a part of it. Like they had created this system that would allow them to stand before God. They had created the system that had allowed them in their eyes to be right with God. They had created this system and kind of perfected this sacrificial system of feeling forgiven and then trying to stay perfect enough that you'd be okay for God. So when Jesus shows up and says, I can forgive sin, it really ruined their system. And like they had a decision to make. Either Jesus was right and their system was wrong, which meant that they were sinful because the system made them righteous. 
in their eyes. So either either Jesus was right and they were wrong, which meant they were sinful and they needed him to be their savior, or Jesus was right, uh, or Jesus was wrong and they were right, which meant if he developed any kind of following at all, they'd have to like kill him or, or risk losing their position spiritually in Israel, which we know is is ultimately what happened. But when you look at this system, they like they they were the people who didn't really when you look at what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were saying and why they missed Jesus, we go back to the point we just talked about. It wasn't that they didn't think that people's hearts weren't filled with sin and eternity wasn't filled with hell. They just didn't think it was them. And when Jesus showed up as the Savior who forgives, their system was broken, and the only way they could be saved and forgiven was through him. And what he did is he exposed not that sin is real and hell is real. He exposed sin in you is real, and hell for you is real, unless you follow me. And they said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to follow you. We like having control ourselves. We like making the rules. They were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden saying, we want to control what is good and what is evil. We have the knowledge of what is good and what is evil. We don't need you to step in and tell us that we aren't good enough for God. It was the whole message of the Sermon on the Mount. And then in Matthew chapter 8, there was this break where Jesus went and proved himself as one who had authority. And now here come the religious leaders again. They'd rejected his teaching They had kind of put up with his miracles, but now he is saying, my miracles prove I can forgive sin. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's too far. Because if you're the guy who makes that decision, what does that say about us? Either we're the people who make that decision or we're people who need to be forgiven. And we're not willing to be in the second group. We're okay with God. So it, it, if, if there was a, if there was a moment that began, Jesus journey to the cross. It was this one because the people in charge said, we either have to follow him or we got to kill him. We either have to choose him to be forgiven or we have to prove that we don't need to be forgiven, but we're going to have to take him out to do this. Um, and that was, that was the moment where you could kind of like proverbially say that like, that was the moment they begin chopping the tree down that they would hang him on because it was their only choice. Admit that he is right and we are wrong or force the world to believe he is wrong so we, so we can be in the right. It's a really powerful part of, uh, of, of this teaching of Matthew, and I'm glad you dove in and helped help people understand that between um, what we just shared from the people's need to understand they're a sinner and then Jesus' ability to forgive sin, such an important aspect for people to understand. Jesus demonstrated really an unbelievable act of love and grace by eating with the sinful tax collector, Matthew. And that's followed by one of the most judgmental statements, <laughs> and it was made by the Pharisees. In Matthew nine eleven. they say this, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So why, why do we need to avoid this men, men, mentality at all costs as we welcome so many new people into our church? Well, one, it, 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 um, it reeks of extreme spiritual amnesia. 
Because anyone who is loved by Jesus is only loved by Jesus because he came and fellowshiped with them while they were a sinner. So it reeks of extreme spiritual amnesia that like, hey, Jesus loves sinners like me, but not sinners like you. So that, I mean, the first reason we need to avoid it is just so that we aren't prideful, um, arrogant Christians who have amnesia about who we used to be. Secondly, this is the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is to seek and save those who are lost. And Jesus says, I am looking for people who understand that they are lost. So we looked at kind of what happened when Jesus showed up. You know, what what happens in a move of Jesus? There's division. Interesting that the Pharisees don't ask Jesus the question. They ask his disciples because they're trying to build doubt in the minds of his disciples. Um, if they would have wanted the answer, why are you eating with sinners? They would have asked Jesus, why are you eating with sinners? They didn't care what the answer was. They just wanted to cause trouble. Because anytime there's a moment of of spiritual movement, the devil's trying to cause problems. So I, I don't ask Ryan why he's doing something. I ask Lindsay, who's our engineer today on, on this pod. I ask Lindsay about Ryan, not even to get the answer, but so that she might question Ryan. So th- this, this division creeps up where they're trying to, they're trying to make people think less of Jesus or question Jesus. But then Jesus speaks to desire. Why, why am I eating with sinners and tax collectors? Because they need me and they know they need me. Um, I've been here this whole time among you, Jesus says, and you've never asked me for anything or expressed a need for me. I'm with them because they need me, because I have come for those who need me. We pointed out that everyone in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus interacted with came to him. He didn't go knocking on doors, inviting people to church. They found him. And Jesus says, I have come to seek and save those who are lost, but we believe as only God can do in his sovereignty he draws people to himself. And those are people who, like, why are people drawn to Jesus? We'll talk about it all in November in a series called All In in Matthew chapter 9. People are drawn to Jesus because they're hurting and they're helpless and they need direction and they need care and they need comfort and they need love and they need community. Um, and Jesus says people who need that get that. So we, we have to, I hope, not only put up with, but pray for and plan for people who are sinners and tax collectors to come into our church because the only reason they'll be here is because they need Jesus. And we have to continue to see ourselves as people who need Jesus, not just to have Jesus. And we need to welcome them in, welcome them into our family and, and into our table. And we need to begin to share our life with them. So together we can grow in Jesus. Absolutely. And we should do it in our church. We should do it in our community. We should do it in our workplaces. We need to, to show grace to people who are who are sinners because you're exactly right. We, right. we once were as well in light of, of, of Jesus living on and demonstrating how to live on mission. What are some practical ways our listeners could live on mission? So one of the most practical that, that I put is actually in one of our reflection questions this week. Um, who are two or three people in your family, your neighborhood or, or who you work with who don't know Jesus yet? And how could you invite them to service at Christmas? See our new building, celebrate Christmas with us. L- Luke, does a better job than Matthew, which is funny because Matthew's writing his own story. Um, so Matthew downplays a little bit the events that he had, but Luke said when Matthew was called to follow Jesus, he threw a banquet and invited all his friends to meet his new friend. I think the most practical way we can live on mission for Jesus once we've met him is to figure out how to, how to have an event where we can invite our old friends to so they can meet our new friend, Jesus. 
And for us, as we move into our new building, that's going to be Christmas week. Uh, we'll have services on the 23rd. We'll have services on the 24th. If, if every podcast listener did one thing between now and the end of the year, invite someone who doesn't know Jesus to sit with you at a Christmas service, you will change, you, you will have the opportunity to change someone's world for an eternity. I don't know how much more practical it gets than that. I don't know how much more impactful it gets than that. I don't know how much more eternal it gets than that. Invite someone to come to church with you at Christmas who doesn't know Jesus. Man, it's a great point. As we conclude, we've had the, the same question we've been asking from our leadership track, how we can carry on something we've learned. So what, what from this message would you want our audience to share with someone? Um, one is an, in, is an invitation to come see Jesus. So I've shared that one. I think the, the second one would be, um, as soon as Jesus helps me stand before God, he calls me to serve before men. Like Matthew, like had those two things happen simultaneously. Jesus said, Hey, be like, be with me. Um, and now come serve with me, be with me, serve with me, be with me, serve with me. There is no such thing as be with, be with me without serving with me. We have it in the American church. It wasn't in the Jesus people of the new Testament. Um, you know, when, when like someone ran around with Jesus, like they didn't just hang around the periphery and then sit down and take notes when he taught, like he, they just did whatever he needed them to do. So I think I would express to people who want to be with Jesus that they serve with Jesus which means somehow in the world, in a local ministry, um, in the urban core, on the mission field, in your community, at your church, those who want to be with Jesus, serve with Jesus. That's what it means to be with Jesus, to serve with Jesus. So I think I would say, reach out and invite someone to meet your new friend, Jesus, and figure out what he wants you to do, because I promise you, it isn't just to sit and listen to him teach. We don't see any of those followers in the New Testament we shouldn't see any of them in today's church. Great information. Appreciate it. I hope uh, those who are listening will will apply it to their life. That's our hope every week is to help you activate, help you grow, uh, help you to follow Jesus more closely, and then uh, be someone who's doing uh, what he's called us to do. Pastor Christian, thanks again for the information and joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for listening. If you're a new listener, as always, we're really glad you found us. We'd love for you to share this. Uh, it, it always helps us if you will rate us. Um, it just allows more people to get an opportunity to see and be a part of what we're doing here. We'd love to hear how God's working in your life. You can email us, uh, or if you have a question, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. If you wanted more information about that Dr. Tony Evans event on October 14th, you can get information through that email as well. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.